Welcome back to the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. As always, nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show and to listen to the show live on demand Fridays at 6 p.m. Uh, excited to welcome back Deputy Commissioner DJ Betancourt of the New Hampshire Insurance Department as we restart our ongoing series with the insurance department here on the show. Uh, just to kick off this segment, I want to be sure to remind everyone that uh, the New Hampshire Insurance Department is committed to practicing the public protecting the public good by ensuring a safe and competitive insurance marketplace. So when things go wrong, the New Hampshire Insurance Department is here to help. Feel like you've been treated unfairly or have had a hard time using your insurance? Contact the Consumer Services Division. For assistance with your questions or complaints, you can contact them at consumerservices at ins.nh.gov. That's at consumerservices at ins.nh.gov or call 1-800-852-3416. This is a free service offered to all New Hampshire residents. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, AJ. Great to be with you. So uh, I, we were kick, restarting this series, and I just so happened to, like, literally the next day see that uh, Commissioner Nicolopoulos and yourself co-wrote an article that was published in the New Hampshire Business Review titled, As Cybersecurity Insurance Premiums Rise, What Can Businesses Do to Cope? And I guess it never really clicked with me. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess you would kind of want insurance for something like that if you're a business in 2022. For sure. You know, one of the things that we try to do here, AJ, is to highlight issues that are impacting the, biz, the the insurance industry that impact consumers ultimately. And so one of the markets that we've decided to highlight is the, the cyber insurance market. And, and we know that you know, few threats to the business community are as rapidly increasing and evolving as that of cyber attacks. And that obviously runs the gamut from ransomware to phishing schemes, hacking, patch problems. Uh, they're constantly evolving. And in the past, the silver lining for businesses that are trying to tackle this issue has been cyber insurance, which obviously provides that level of financial protection from an enemy that's invisible, uh, and an enemy that can often be very, very clever. Uh, but because technology is changing and new challenges are therefore emerging in this market, for, for businesses and those trying to access it. And so we felt it was important to talk about those issues uh, and to talk about ways that we can address some of these challenges to ensure that there is a market in the future. But just from a global perspective, looking at the cyber insurance market today, uh, according to our colleagues at the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, uh, insurers wrote approximately $4.1 in cyber premium in the United States in 2020, which is the last year that we have complete data for. Uh, of that, there was $2.75 in direct written premiums by domestically domiciled insurers. And so you can see that, that there is a very high demand for this product. Uh, and again, we understand why. Now, from our uh, department's involvement with the NAIC Cybersecurity Working Group, um, sorry about that, uh, it is encouraging to see that there is a large and competitive market that ensures that businesses have access to the products that protect them that they need. Uh, but whether or not that positive trend will continue is going to depend largely on premium affordability. And there are some current um, uh, challenges there, and there's some current distress in the market, along with some signs that point to significant challenges in the coming years. And so the commissioner and I felt as though it was important to talk a little bit about that and, and talk a little bit about what both businesses and insurers can do to ensure the long-term health of that market. Yeah, and something that's especially 
interesting when it comes to cybersecurity is you don't necessarily know that something's gone wrong for years. I mean, this could have been something that happened two years previous. And I, I'm sure insurance companies, like, you weren't paying for, for that coverage back then. So this is something you want to stay up on and continuously make sure that you're covered based off of the potential loss you could have. No question about it. And, and your question, I think, raises a, a very interesting history about about cyber insurance. And so, you know, not not long ago, there were a lot of insurers who were swarming into the cybersecurity in, insurance market and were laboring to persuade businesses that this was essential coverage that they could purchase at affordable rates. And you understand a little bit of the disconnect there was because for most businesses, uh, in an in a earlier and simpler time, this was kind of secondary coverage. The nature of cyber attacks was not as complex and comprehensive as it is today. Yeah, and they were relatively- It's moving from stealing an email list from like literally your address, your social security number, your credit card information- Exactly. Past credit history and everything. A absolutely right. More and more of our financial information is now online than ever before. But in the simpler times, again, it was not as comprehensive the threat was not as large, and there were relatively few claims. So for many businesses, was throwaway coverage. But because the prevalence and frequency of these events was lower in the past, the underwriters for insurance carriers were able to appropriately assess risk and were able to keep premiums low. Now, as I've said, as time has gone by, because of the constantly evolving and complex nature of cyber attacks compounded by the ever-increasing connectivity of our devices. And as I said before, the fact that more of our financial information is online uh, than ever before, as well as geopolitical events, such as the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the industry is seeing swelling claims, and those claims are now getting to be very expensive. And so as a result, the industry is struggling to figure out how to appropriately underwrite that ever-evolving risk. And so the, um, the potential for simultaneous losses across many policyholders is a serious threat. And, and with increasing regularity, we are seeing some carriers get spooked entirely out of the market. And so the result is, is that the market contracts, uh, premiums increase sharply, in their shrinking capacity. And, and so there's not as much competition there. And that obviously is very troubling to us. We want strong, robust, competitive markets uh, to ensure that people are able to get the products they need at a price that they can afford. Um, and then the underwriters are also, the, you know, of the insurance carriers that are staying in that market, the underwriters are tightening things up and insisting on strict, contr strict controls before writing a policy. So the question then becomes, so what do you do? And I think the first thing that has to be recognized is that both insurers and businesses have to face these challenges together to ensure a vibrant marketplace into the future. And so there's there needs to be a recognition of that shared responsibility. So for businesses, it is absolutely essential to make the necessary investments in their technology, training, and expertise to ensure a mastery of cybersecurity basics. So those are things like making sure that strong controls are being put into place, uh, things like regular awareness training, ensuring safe VPN connections, uh, and multi-factor authentication. So while insurers, it should be noted, do not typically scrutinize specific technologies that a business may use. They do want to understand how that business uh, 
crafts their risk management strategies using the existing technology and internal standards of that particular company. And then secondly, when a cyber incident does occur, and as you say, AJ, it can be a little tricky. The timing and identifying of when this incident first occurred can be tricky. But as soon as that incident does become known, it needs to be addressed urgently. And businesses must engage their approved cybersecurity vendors immediately after the breach and, and ensuring that they have uh, proper risk managers, uh, people within their companies who are able to take on that responsibility to make sure that the process is in place, that uh, God forbid, should a cybersecurity attack happen, they're able to know exactly what the steps they need to take to get it addressed quickly. And so by making these financial investments and formulating an internal cybersecurity protection strategy uh, that can move at a moment's notice, the business community can help keep cyber insurance rates in check. Now, again, it's going to take two to tango in this equation. So for insurance carriers, they must ensure that their underwriters are gaining the appropriate expertise and experience and confidence in pricing coverage to increase competition and draw new entrants into the market, which will obviously produce premium moderation. Um, and, and, and again, as part of that, they also need to update their actuarial models, some of which are based on underwriting data from the last decade, which, as I said, was a simpler um, and less risky time. Uh, and so by, by ensuring that they're updating their models, uh, they'll be able to evaluate how relevant their information is moving forward, given the increased protections the business community is undertaking. And they must also, I think, find strategies to control their losses through uh, traditional insurance mechanisms to achieve that goal, such as uh, limits, deductibles, uh, reinsurance, and things of that nature. And so, you know, I, I think, uh, finally, the insurance industry has to recognize that our state and national economy is going to be significantly hobbled if businesses are not able to access the products that they need to keep themselves protected. You know, we're not going to become a less technological society. We're only going to become more technological. And so um, throwing up their hands uh, and, and leaving the cyber insurance market altogether is simply not going to be a viable option. So they need to challenge themselves to understand how they can better, as I said, update their models, appreciate the risks and underwriting, and bring different tools to bear to ensure uh, that uh, businesses are able to uh, purchase this product uh, at an affordable rate. So, you know, as I said, reforming these products is absolutely necessary, but exiting the market entirely is not in the best economic interest of the state or the country. How much time ha have payers and legislators, for that matter, dedicated to making sure variance compliance mechanisms or certifications or things like that are uh, are implemented to make sure that businesses are protected, that the insurance companies are going into this, being aware of these things? I mean, a big thing when you think of financial transactions, especially as PCI compliance, but it seems like a majority of the time that's only ever considered when there's an international market possibly involved because you got to deal with the European Union, which requires PCI compliance for basically all financial transactions. But the United States is a little bit of a uh, wild, wild west as we tend to be when it comes to the internet and such. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I mean, we have come a long way. I mean, I think there has been a greater recognition in the business community that this is 
incredibly important to have good, solid protections in place uh, to think through these things. Now, granted, the larger the company, the more resources and granted, yes, the higher risk. So they're motivated to take risk mitigation strategies. Uh, but this can be just as devastating for a uh, a mid-sized company or a small business. And unfortunately, they oftentimes don't have the resources to put the protections in place uh, that they need to guard against that. But as I said, it can often be more devastating for them because they don't have the assets that some of these larger companies have. And so therefore they can't withstand the financial blow uh, to their business. And so I think there's gotta be uh, a recognition that regardless of the size of your business, you have to take some basic steps uh, to protect your business. And, and again, it's gonna be critical if you're gonna be able to access a cyber insurance policy because they're going to want to see what you're doing. You know, one of the uh, analogies that we used in the piece for New Hampshire Business Review is um, you're going to want to practice good cyber hygiene, right? So having insurance is common sense for, for all of us, but it doesn't absolve us of our responsibilities to do certain things. And so, for example, just because we have dental insurance doesn't mean that we don't have to brush our teeth or floss our teeth anymore, right? No, you still have to do those things. Um, but obviously, if, if you have a real serious dental issue, you're going to have insurance, and so therefore you'll be able to access the care that you need. Uh, similarly, sure, you may have a cyber insurance policy, but it doesn't absolve you of making sure that you've put the proper protections in place. And again, that's regardless of the size of your business. How much do... Uh does your department deal with municipalities with regards to this? I mean, are they, is it a totally different thing? The big thing that comes to mind has been all the headlines is what happened to Peterborough just a couple of years ago. Yeah, they often have access to different types of products that are available to, to municipalities specifically. Uh, but you're absolutely right. That was a perfect example of what can happen if you're not really staying vigilant and if you're not staying on top of these things. Uh, that was obviously a very unfortunate situation and a very embarrassing situation for that community. Um, and I think in the end, it ended up costing some folks their jobs. So it was a real tale of caution. What's the market look like for consumers that want, or businesses, to be more accurate, that are looking for uh, insurance providers in this nature? Well, it's in flux. As I said, you know, in the, in the past couple of decades, it was small, growing, but smaller and robust. Uh, it has since gone through some pains, as I said, as these uh, new threats become more comprehensive and therefore more expensive. It's constantly evolving. Um, and so the industry is trying to make adjustments. It is improving. But as I said, if we want to get back to those days when there were a lot of players in the market and therefore the competition was driving down premiums, then both businesses and insurance carriers need to do their part to continue reform uh, to get back to that strong, robust market. And as I said, it's getting better than it has been in the past couple of years, but we think that it can continue to get better. Well, I'll put a, a link to this article at the podcast version of the show at nhtalkradio.com. We still have a few minutes left here. I'd love to talk, since I have a deputy commissioner of a State Department on, on the show here, uh, what's what's a, the plan for the insurance department as we come out of COVID, uh, the public health emergency comes to an end, hopefully in theory we're going to go back to business as usual. What's the uh, future plans for uh, for FOCUS? 
We're very, very excited. Obviously, during the pandemic, it significantly curtailed our ability to get out there and do community events. Uh, and so as we're coming out of the pandemic, we're really starting to re-engage what opportunities there are to go out into the community and talk to consumers directly. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing this summer is uh, sponsoring an event with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats called Bark at the Park. Uh, it's a day where uh, fans can bring their dogs to the Fisher Cats game. And we have a big table out there. We're distributing information about pet insurance, uh, a, a fairly new product uh, that um, we want people to be aware of. Uh, and so we're out there talking uh, with consumers about that. Uh, we're also in the process of trying to get out into schools and talking to students about things like um, uh, automobile insurance, which which obviously for a certain segment of high schoolers is uh, is a big deal. They they dream of that day when they get the keys to the car, uh, and that's wonderful, but we want them to think about the other responsibilities that come with that. So we're looking forward to getting back in the schools. Um, and um, we've also, for the first time, created a called a Lunch with the Commissioner series. And so Commissioner Nicolopoulos and I are going out uh, each month to a different county and inviting our producers, agents and brokers, to come have lunch with us and tell us what they're seeing uh, on the ground in the industry. What trends are they seeing? What challenges are they seeing? Uh, it's, I think, very important for us to get out of the bubble of Concord, out of the bubble of the four walls of the New Hampshire Insurance Department here, and actually get out and start talking to people who are uh, doing the practical work in this industry every day to make sure that we're on top of things the way that we should be. So it's always focused towards the consumers, whether it be uh, granite staters who are looking for policies to address their various needs, whether it's our regulated entity, and, and yes, we regulate them, but it's also about customer service as well for us. Uh, so talking with them is important. So we're going to continue to ramp up that work. Last minute here. I mean, what's it, is there anything that uh, people should keep an eye out for when the State House comes back in session in the fall from an advocacy perspective? Well, it's always an interesting time when a new legislature is sworn into office. I think that um, we've had a pretty good run of things, I think. I, I think that people uh, in, in the legislature appreciate that New Hampshire, for being a small state, has a very robust insurance market. Uh, sure, there are things that we can do uh, here and there to, to improve things for consumers, and we'll obviously tackle that. I think that... Um, how we're going to continue to implement the Federal No Surprises Act, which is a prohibition against surprise billing, is, is going to be important. And there's a, a, a bit of a discussion going on right now as to whether or not enforcement of that law should be at the federal level or the state level. It's our contention that the tradition, the long tradition in this country is that insurance is regulated at the state level. And we here at the insurance department already willing and able to implement that to protect consumers against surprise billing. Uh, we just have to get the authority from the legislature to do that. And so we'll continue to have that conversation with the new legislature when they come in in January. Deputy Commissioner DJ Betancourt of the New Hampshire Insurance Department. He's going to be continuing with me in one moment for the last segment of the show. This is a sponsored segment presented by the New Hampshire Insurance Department. The New Hampshire Insurance Department is committed to protecting the public good by ensuring a safe and competitive insurance marketplace. So when things go wrong, the New Hampshire Insurance Department is here to help. Feel like you've been treated unfairly or have had a problem using your insurance? Contact the Consumer Services Division. For assistance with your questions or complaints, you can contact them at consumerservices at ins.nh.gov. 
of. That's at Consumer Services at ins.nh.gov or call 1-800-852-3416. This is a free service offered to all New Hampshire residents. We've been talking about DHHS a fair bit around everything going on with uh, COVID wrapping up and Lori Chabonet uh, stepping away. It, communication from government agencies is really a mixed bag when you go from department to department. Um, I'm going to sound, a, I'm, to be frank, I'm going to sound like a little bit of a shill because this is a paid, your hair is a paid guest for the show. But generally speaking, it seems like the insurance department does one of the better jobs across the different commissions in the state and uh, through the navigator program and things like that. Uh, how, why do you feel like that the insurance department's kind of ahead of the ball, the game when it comes to this? Well, because we put a strong emphasis on good communication. I mean, the reality of it is the subject matter that we deal with is never going to be horribly exciting, right? We're not going to have the same interest that uh, my good friends over at the attorney general's office have when they're able to announce big arrests and um, and, and all sorts of interesting things that they deal with. Um, Because for most people, they know two things about insurance. They have it and they pay their premiums. Beyond that, they don't really want to think about it. And, And it's understandable why. Human nature is you don't want to think about bad things that might happen to you. And essentially, insurance is what kicks in when bad things happen to you. We don't like to think about what happens if I get in a car wreck. We don't want to think about what happens if I get a bad health diagnosis. We don't want to think about what happens when a family member passes away. Now I've got to access their life insurance policy. So typically people's uh, insurance policies sit in the safe or in the folder in the back of the closet with the other important papers. And it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, as I said, until something bad happens. And so we're constantly trying to remind people, as difficult as it might be, just take a few minutes to read your insurance policy and understand what's in it so that when that bad thing God forbid it, 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 you know, we don't want it to happen, but God forbid it does. When that bad thing happens, you know what to do because you're going to be in a situation of stress. And that's the time when you want to try to simplify things as best as you can, be as comfortable and confident in the information that you have and the steps that you need to take. And so what we try to do is, as part of that is to put out real-life scenarios for people. So, for example, we put out a consumer advisory uh, a few weeks ago talking about insurance related to travel. As people are out traveling uh, uh, this summer, think about, okay, if I'm going to rent a car, do I have proper coverage for that rental car? Uh, Is it going to be covered under my underlying automobile policy or do I need to add that coverage at the rental place? Uh, Make sure that you bring your health insurance documents with you to think about that. There are all sorts of very practical things uh, that we try to provide people so that it simplifies it for them and it makes it more relatable. Uh, And so, as I said, insurance is not the the sexiest topic, uh, I will admit, but we try to make it as practical for people so that they can understand it and they can understand why practically it's really important for them to think about it. Definitely. Thank you so much. Deputy Commissioner DJ Betancourt of the New Hampshire Insurance Department, thanks for joining the show today. AJ, always a pleasure. Good to be with you. Thanks so much. Uh, you're listening to the New England Take and WKXL. Be sure to, if you missed the first segment of the show, you can check out nhtalkradio.com or uh, check out Facebook and Twitter, New England Take, where you can get those episodes on demand, as well as the video version of the interviews. This is the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsted. Talk to you next week.